Well, let's get started in our new message series. We call this Nothing to Lose. First one today, we're talking about the pastor and the mentor. I think we'd all agree that life speeds by. Some of you are uh, more aware of that than usual as you've, as you've, uh, you've experienced loss even in this last week or recently this year. Uh, the older we get, it seems it just goes faster and faster. We li- we're living longer and healthier lives, but it's still surprisingly short. Um, the number one thing I hear from people is, I just want my life to matter. I want my life to count. That's what I hear from people all the time. And maybe that's why, you know, we're always curious about a person's, you know, last words or an author's, you know, final book or a pastor's final sermon, you know, business person's final business venture. The last resonating works or words or actions of a person's life gives give us a glimpse into what they really discovered or found to be important and worth giving their life to. So as we dig into this book called Second Timothy, it's helpful to realize that these are sort of the last words of the Apostle Paul. This is probably his final letter that he that he wrote at all, we think, um, and it was written to a younger man that he had mentored for for many years and worked with for a long time. Let me just make a couple of comments to sort of set the stage for us uh, as we introduce Second Timothy. Uh, in your New Testament portion of your Bible, there's the Old Testament, the New Testament, there's 27 books in the New Testament. If you become an Awana listener, you're going to learn this forward and backward. So um, in those of those 27 books, 21 of them are letters or sometimes called epistles. And most of those, those 21 letters are written by the Apostle Paul, either to individuals or mostly to churches. So that's how you get Romans, it's written to the church in Rome. That's how you get Corinthians. It's written to the church in Corinth. That's how, that's how that works. Now, two of those letters are written to Timothy. First Timothy and Second Timothy. Two letters. And Timothy um, had worked with Paul for, for many years. Uh, Timothy is not a small player in any sense in the New Testament. He's mentioned 24 times. In the New Testament, but he's sort of an under the radar kind of guy. He's very ordinary in a lot of ways. He's not sort of that superstar that we sometimes think of the Apostle Paul. But Paul had appointed Timothy as the pastor in, a, in the what was the first century sort of mega church of Ephesus. Ephesus, you can read about it in Acts chapter 19. The church in Ephesus started dramatically, drew exponentially. From there, the gospel spread, it says, to all of Asia. It was, a, it, was a, it was an outstanding work, but it was a challenging work because people had come out of deep paganism and idol worship, and as they were becoming Christians, they needed a lot of guidance. Paul had appointed Timothy as the pastor. Timothy was there to teach good doctrine, to appoint the elders, to appoint the leaders of the church. That was the role of the pastor. And so that's, and so Paul gives Timothy guidance and instruction along the way. Um, it's interesting to know that six of Paul's letters were either co-written or possibly dictated to, but co-written with Timothy. Timothy was right in there with Paul a lot of, a lot of his ministry life, even though he was much younger than him. Timothy was Likely also imprisoned for his faith. We don't know for sure. There's one small reference to that in Hebrews 13.23 
all, all the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, possibly Paul, but we don't know, uh, that says, Timothy has been released. Well, we don't know what released means. Does that mean he was just kind of freed up to go make this, this journey? Or had he been released from prison? Probably released from prison, but it's not explicitly stated, so we, we can't say that for sure. Now, key emphases for Paul is he's teaching Timothy, and, and forgive me if you feel like you're in a, in a lecture here for a moment, but what we're going to do today is largely set a foundation for the next couple months as we're going to be in this book. So I, I want you to catch these things. These are important. Key emphases for Paul in these, in these letters are, are truth, teaching truth for the sake of love. So truth and love are really crucial for Paul. If you watch closely on Paul, you'll be surprised how often truth and love come up for him. There's a difference between truth and belief or truth and doctrine. You can be committed to doctrine. You can have sound doctrine. You, you can be a, a firm believer in something. But there's something about truth that sort of cuts the past that or goes beyond that. Truth just sort of seems a little more life-giving, doesn't it? Just it feels like, oh, that's true. You, you, you know when one person says, well, these are the facts, but this is truth. It's almost a little bit hard to, to kind of grasp, but inside you know, yeah, there's a difference. And Paul was about truth, but for the sake of love. In the first... Um, uh, First Timothy, Paul wrote this, and it's interesting. First Timothy and Second Timothy start almost exactly the same, but um, I've got First Timothy one five here on the screen. I'll read it for you. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, "The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith." That's really interesting. It's instruction. It's teaching, right? Paul's teaching. You think the purpose of my instruction is so that everybody gets this right. So everybody's really secure in the doctrine. So everybody can really convince an unbeliever. So everybody can really kind of argue the point adequately. No. The purpose of his instruction is what? So that all believers would be filled with love. That's why you need to know truth. Not so you can prove that you're right, but so you can love people. That's so you can love. So that's really important for us to understand about Timothy, about, about Paul's teaching toward Timothy. All right. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're just going to read the first five verses and invite you to stand for the reading of God's word this morning. First, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. If you're in that red hardcover Bible, it's page 1001. He writes, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Verse 5 says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Thank the Lord for His Word. Let's be seated together. All right, let me make a few comments about these opening verses now of, of, first, of Second Timothy, which is nearly, like I said, identical to First Timothy. Verse 1, it's really clear that Paul 
you know, he, he gets it. He understands. He's got a grasp on his, his calling and as an identity in Christ. He says, you know, it's from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle. This is not bragging. He's not claiming, you know, that he's somehow special by being an apostle. He's, it's a confidence in what God has gifted him to do and sent him out for. One of the best things you'll ever do in your life is, is clarify or be able to state um, your life purpose. I don't know if you've ever done this, but to be able to, 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 you know, sometime when you've got a little quiet time, sit down with a notebook and write at the top of the page, the purpose of my life is dot, dot, dot. And you think about that and ask the Lord, what is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? What is the purpose of my life? Years ago, I wrote that down for, for me. The purpose of my life, so the, personally speaking, the purpose of my life is to influence others toward a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that helps at decisions times. Three years ago, before I came to Bethany Church, I was happily in a different job. I loved what I was doing. I had no intention of, of you know, going back to being a pastor. I loved what I was doing, but this opportunity presented it. And I had to say, okay, compared to the purpose that I've stated for my life, which of my opportunities better supports what I believe I've been called to do? Suddenly the decision was very, very easy. When you know what your purpose is, it, it clears up a lot of other decisions. Do you know the purpose of your life? Write it down. It's a great exercise for you. Then Paul goes on in verse 2. To, he's really indicating the depth of his relationship with Timothy. Um, he says, I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. So just for, so we're clear, Paul is not Timothy's biological dad. He's not his biological father. It's kind of a, a, a spiritual father-son relationship. Now, all of us, I would say, are called to produce, you know, spiritual children. And it's, it's obvious that Paul, who himself was single, uh, no children of his own, he loved Timothy like a son, like his own son. And, and Paul goes on there in verses 3 and 4. He's just, he says, Timothy, I'm constantly praying for you. You know, I'm thinking about you all the time. I, I long to see you. Right? You parents who have sent your kids off to college, you know what this is about. At first you're like so excited, the nest is empty, woo! And then you're like, man, I really miss those kids. I really miss our son or I really miss our daughter. You're longing to see them again. Why don't they call? You know? Well, you're, you, but do you remember what you did when you moved out of home? Remember how you never called or wrote letters? Yeah, that was me. So, um, there's a longing this deep desire. That's what Paul, Paul has. He's, he's kind of a deep empathy for Timothy. Now, you also want to keep in mind that Paul wrote these letters from prison. He's in a, he's in a dark, painful, awful, cold probably, or, or too hot, not air-conditioned at least, dungeon in Rome. Some of you have been to Rome. And some of you have seen those what they think are the, the places of imprisonment for Peter and for Paul. That's not a happy place to be. That would be very easy to feel somewhat miserable and self-pitying in a place like that. But here's Paul. At the moment when he needs company, at the moment when he needs, you know, support and encouragement, he himself is extending support and encouragement and love to, to his young mentee, Timothy, and also to the churches. It's just an amazing thing. When Paul should be receiving, he's giving. 
That's another great life principle that we learn from Paul. One of the best ways to endure difficulty in your life or to get through difficult times or to get through discouragement or despondency or doubt, even depression, the, one of the best ways to do that is to serve and to care for and to love and to, to be generous toward others, to give your life toward others. When you at the point where you most feel like, oh, I need more for me, that's the time to say, how can I give it away to others? That's what Paul was doing. Real love focuses on other people, prefers others instead of self. And I know our culture is all about, you know, be true to yourself and follow your heart. And, you know, we would say, just be authentic. Um, Well, that's true. But sometimes that's just a a mask for deep selfishness. Like, I just want to do what I want to do. And I don't really care about anybody else right now. We've all been there. Come on, let's be honest about that. But that's selfishness. And a mature person thrives by serving others. And being generous toward others, even when it's inconvenient or costly. Let, let me tell you one little story. Back in June, um, John Weeby was here from the Mennonite Brethren Foundation. He challenged us to, to do the, the God pocket. He says, set aside some funds every month that you believe God is calling you, going to call you to, to give and be generous so you're ready. So the next week, someone from the church here said, oh, I just got to tell you what happened. Someone came to the door and, the, you know, the request and this happened. And this person was so excited to be able to say, and we gave money to this person. Now, that's just awesome. We were, back, my wife Becky had, had figured a way she wanted to do a $5 bill and a $5 McDonald's gift card. And she's going to put an envelope and write a verse and an encouraging thing on the envelope. She keeps them in her purse so she's ready to go. And we're driving through San Jose, and uh, there's a guy at the corner asking for money. And rolled down the window, and said, "Here you go," and you know, hand him the envelope, and just tearing it open to see what's inside. And it's like, oh, that's so fun! Like, who else can we do that for? Giving away is a fun thing to do. It's gener- generosity is exciting. So, all that to say, in this context, then Paul is is speaking to this young Timothy, and he's he's reminding Timothy about Timothy's own faith which is not simply his own faith, but is really a product of his mother and his grandmother. He talks about Lois and Eunice um, who have poured into him. And in fact, if you, let me show you on the screen, back in Acts chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, we have the first mention of Timothy. Luke uh, is writing this, and Luke says, Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer. That means she was Jewish heritage, but she was a believer in Jesus. Uh, But his father was a Greek, so probably not a believer. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in that region. That's a great, that's a great reputation. Wouldn't it be cool to have that reputation where people say, man, we think really well of that person. That's really, really fun. The point about all this is to say that the Christian life is not found nor lived in a vacuum, right? People rarely come to Christ and continue to follow Christ without the influence of a real person or some real people in their life. Now, the best scenario, of course, is when a parent can pass on genuine and personal, um, you know, loving conviction of faith in Christ Jesus um, to their child or children. That's the best scenario. But if you grew up outside of that influence, you don't need to be excluded from faith. It's never too late to begin to follow Jesus. A person without children even can be a great influence in the lives of peers or co-workers or relatives or friends. And then we learn in these verses that Paul even considered uh, his own faith to be something passed down um, from, his, from his ancestors. 
he carries on in teaching about that. Um, so Paul himself had been given not religion, but faith in, in Jesus. So I, I don't know if it amazes you, but it, it amazes me that, that even Timothy, pastor of, you know, the, one of the greatest New Testament megachurches, needed a mentor. Even Timothy needed a mentor. He, he, he needed to be reminded how to live and teach and lead. You, you know, none of us, none of us are ever finished in our spiritual life. None of us have ever arrived in our spiritual growth. None of us has it all together. If, if Timothy needed Paul and Paul needed Timothy, don't we also need spiritual leaders in our lives? Right? You know, my, my question is, like, who speaks into your life at a spiritual level? I don't, I don't mean the, you know, the 30 minutes a week you get from me. I mean someone who, like, comes alongside you and blesses you and speaks into your life. Do you have anybody like that? Are you, are you willing to ask for that? Or are you willing to offer that into someone else's life? Because the gospel is highly relational. It's a, it's a communal uh, reality. We were handed the faith by others. And we're expected then to hand it to others ourselves. You're not in this by yourself. And I'd, I'd say that if you're following in your outline today, that's, that's the first blank there. You're not expected to walk alone. You're not expected to walk alone. But let's be, let's be really, really clear about, about something. It's still each person's um, choice whether or not to choose faith. Dexter, can you help me with a little illustration? There's a box here. I want you to grab that box. So Dexter has a box. What's on his box? Okay, so this represents Dexter's faith. Just spin it around, show them what all is on there, okay? That's, that's his, that box, that thing that he's holding, that's his faith. Now, if I'm going to have faith, how am I going to get faith? How am I going to get faith? You've got to hand it to me, right? It's pretty, pretty simple. You, we're in the process of handing faith to somebody. Now, now, what if I want faith, but he doesn't want to give it away? Am I, can, I, can I get faith? Can I, can I be instructed? Can I, can I learn to follow Jesus if, if he refuses to give it away? No. All right. So, on one hand, it's, he's got to make the choice to say, I'm going to invest in Brian's life and I'm going to offer him faith. Now, what if, what if he wants to offer me faith? Go ahead and hand it to me. Go ahead and just put it in my hands. What if I don't want it? Is that his fault? Is it his fault that I didn't hold, that I didn't grab it? No. He extended it to me. Some of you have said, man, I've tried with people in my life. I, I've offered it. Right. If you've offered it, but I don't, I don't receive it, it's not his responsibility. The ideal situation, though, is he says, hey, Brian, would you like some faith? I would. And uh, it doesn't mean he doesn't have any faith anymore. Don't push the illustration too far. <laughs> Right. Thank you. Let's give him a hand, please. It's it has to be passed along and you've got to have a giver and a receiver. Now, parents, grandparents, listen closely. Don't abdicate on this, please. Obviously, you're going to use wisdom and gentleness and respect. And the older your children are, the more kind of respectful and delicate. Maybe sometimes you've got to be around that. But. Um, sometimes you can speak. Sometimes all you can do is pray. Sometimes all you can do is, is be available. I understand that. Uh, sometimes you show words, I mean, show actions, and sometimes you speak words. 
But the best chance your children and grandchildren, those of you who have children and grandchildren, the best chance that they have of meeting and following Jesus is from you. Those that are closest to them. Timothy had had um, his, his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois who spoke into the lives, like a funnel coming down into his life. But it was still Timothy's decision and choice to put faith in Jesus. So don't wait for the church to do it. Don't wait for your children to sort of find their own way. That's, that's nonsense. It's, you've, you've got the best opportunity to pour in their lives. But if your children say, I'm not into that, I'm not interested, that's not what I want, that's also not your not your, in a sense, not your burden, or it's not your, I don't want you to walk away feeling guilty, like, oh, my kids aren't walking with Christ right now. That's not your burden to carry. Here's what you need to know. Your children, those, those of you who have children who are not with Jesus right now, did you know that Jesus loves them more than you ever could? Think about how much you love your son or daughter, your grandchild, your stepchild. Think about just that deep love for them. Multiply that by infinity. That's how much God loves them. So you don't, 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 don't think that, man, if I don't do this, it's never going to happen. No. God has an amazing way of working in people's life. But the best scenario is, primary spot would be that it comes from you as it did for Timothy. Now, in terms of passing on faith, you might be one of those people who says, you know, I just... I can't do this. I, I do not have, you know, I don't know enough. I haven't been to Bible school. I, I, I don't even know my, I don't even, I didn't know there are 27 books in the New Testament. Great, I learned, you know, you're just thinking, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know the words, they get all jumbled up. Look, consider Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mom Eunice. There's no mention of dad or, well, there's a mention of dad, but in terms of faith, there's no mention of granddad or dad in Timothy's life. Um, you know, like I mentioned, Tim's dad was probably not a, a believer. There's no benefit of all the Christian books and resources that we have today, all the movies and um, the podcasts and everything. I mean, there's just an endless number of resources that we have. You can do this. If Eunice and Lois could do this, you and I can do this too. I, I want to encourage you with this, this thought. The second point on your outline is this, that you have what it takes to make a difference. You have what it takes to make a difference. Um, you know, it's what Paul says in verse, verse 5. I remember your genuine faith, Timothy, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you, Timothy says. Verse 5. See, we're able to piece some things together about Timothy from these other um, references, right? So we know he was a child of mixed ethnicity from Acts 16. We know from 1 Timothy 5 that he was frequently ill. Paul talks about that. We know from 1 Timothy 4 that he struggled with feeling inferior because he was young. Paul says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but be an example to the believers in life and love and faith and speech and in purity. He, we, we know that he, um, from 2 Timothy 1, that we're going to get into next week, that he struggled with being maybe timid or fearful. Paul says, you know, you've not been given a spirit of fear. You've been given a, power, a spirit of love and power and, and a sound mind. So Paul gets this for Timothy. He says, Timothy, the faith is strong in you. You have what it takes. Last week we had a testimony from one of the people that was being baptized, temperance, and she said, I, it's my desire to become all that Jesus says that I am. Now you, you might be thinking, that's bad grammar. How can you, how can you become what you are? That's the, that's the gospel. 
When you put your faith in Jesus, he says, this is what you are. You're a child of God like we were singing. But I don't feel like it. I know you don't feel like it yet. So then the goal is to grow into that. The goal is to, is to get there to say, look, I have what it takes to make a difference in the lives of the people around me. And, and most people, I don't want you to be like most people. Be weird. Be, be different. Don't, don't be like most people who say, look, I can't do this. I, I'm, I'm not making a difference. I'm not qualified. Whatever excuse. Look, that's a lie of the devil. The enemy says, you can't do this. Who do you think you are? I know what you said last night. I know what you looked at yesterday. I, I know your attitude about that. I know where you did, weren't honest. God has placed you in a specific place in your life or in particular relationships in your life. And he's given you what it takes to make a difference for his kingdom. Don't give up on that. Don't let go of that. But it's going to mean you don't live like everybody else. Um, Later in this letter, Paul is going to address Timothy about lifestyle issues, about holy living, about purity and so on. And yes, we're called to a different kind of morality, but we're not saved simply to be nicer, more moral better behaved, cleaner, tidier people. That's not why you were saved. This is not a, a morality um, you know, program. You're, you're made new so you can reflect the love and the light of Jesus. You're made new so that you can love people with the love of Jesus. You're, you're made new so that you can live with the power of Jesus inside of you. Paul says it to the Ephesians, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. It, it's there. And so uh, we, we, we live knowing that he will give us the strength to live for him. Yet we dig into the Bible and we listen to good teaching, not to prove how right we are with people, not to try to twist someone's arm and convince them that they're wrong and we're right, but to get better at loving them. That would be the goal. Loving the people that we love already and loving the people we don't love very much, loving the people who don't know Jesus yet. That's why we seek to grow in, our, in, the, in the faith. Timothy needed Paul as a mentor. Paul needed Timothy as a friend. My challenge to you today is to get yourself into some spiritually meaningful relationships. Get, get into some relationships that will help you grow. I do this in my own life. I have a mentor. We try to meet about once a month. Um, I just love it. He just, he just speaks to me. We don't talk, we often aren't talking even about anything deep, but I just love that I've got someone who will speak, an older friend who will speak into my life. Um, I've got a couple guys I can talk to about more serious things if I need to. I'm going to lead a connection group this fall, and, and um, you know, a few of you that are here have been in our connection group, and it's awesome. We, we're just helping each other grow spiritually. You could join a group or be a part or even lead one. Um, I'm going to host a men's R&R devotional group at Starbucks this fall so that we can help one another. We can mentor one another. I'd love for you to be a part of that. The Alpha course that I mentioned is starting soon. A simple place to learn to converse about your faith. That's probably the best thing about the Alpha course. It gives you simple, easy ways to just be natural about who Jesus is and what he means to you. I think if there's, a, for me, a big takeaway from Paul and Timothy, and that we're going to get into over and over in this series, is that faith in Christ is not a one-time event. It's a lifelong, growing friendship. So if you feel like, man, I haven't got it all together, good. I'm glad you feel like you haven't got it all together. If you had felt you had it all together, I'd be very worried about you. I would probably avoid you. 
None of us has it together. That's the point. We're helping each other move in that direction till we meet Jesus. Uh, you can't do it alone, though, either. Um, so get into some spiritual friendships where you can give and you can take from one another. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. Um, I'm hoping that in this, as we dig into this, this book, that God is going to stir something up. Next week we're going to talk about lighting a flame in our lives, fanning up a flame in our lives. And I hope that in these coming days that will do that. But my challenge today is be thinking, who can I pour my life into? Who could I seek out to pour into my life? And if you're someone who's you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that today as well. God, we're grateful for your word. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for Timothy. We thank you that these are real men who lived in real time, had real problems, who, had, who knew how to laugh and have a good time, who knew how to cry, who'd suffered, um, who'd experienced all those range of things in their life. And a few of their words are preserved for us. God, we thank you for the way that Timothy, that, that, the way that Paul loved his friend Timothy, even though he was in such a bad spot himself. God, I ask that you give us the ability and the, the presence of the Spirit in us to be able to love others even when we're feeling low ourselves. God, I thank you that gave Timothy the humility to reach out and accept help from Paul. God, I pray that you'd also give that to us, that humility, and to be able to do that for others. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these men. And, and church, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I, I just can't let this opportunity go by without giving the opportunity to, to respond to salvation yourself. If you're saying, I'm ready, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to start that right now, I want to start today. Would you just raise your hand and give me a good wave and we'll pray together after the service and we'll get you started with that. Anybody like that today? All right. For the rest of us, it's saying, God, help me find a person to pour into and help me find ways to receive from others. God, we're grateful for your word today. In Jesus' name, amen.